1: The moment that you start something, paths will start to clear out. And you might not know what's going to happen or how it's going to happen, but I promise you, if you pick that thing that you love, I'm talking about you really love, I'm talking about that thing that you will do for free. If you pick that, if you pick that every day, if you choose that every day, consistently, it's inevitable for you not to be successful.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Impact Theory. I am joined by somebody today that I think is going to blow your mind. He is a breath of fresh air. He is none other than William King Hollis. William welcome to the show man.
1: Thank you legend. It's truly an honor to be on your show. man. I used to watch you in the shelter and now I'm sitting here. I'm excited.
0: It's crazy. I'm so stoked to have you. You came in like a tornado today. (laughs) Energy through the roof and it's really extraordinary when I think so you're an international motivational speaker. You've really come from the bottom and now you're here.
1: Yes. And
0: uh, it's It's a really extraordinary story. It's one of the most extraordinary stories I've ever heard in in my life. Um, And I want to start with the concept that you have that the best gifts come from the bottom. What does that mean?
1: When I was younger, I had a learning disability and I was always behind. I was always at the bottom, but sometimes sports and other things would keep keep my confidence high. And I used to hate being in the neighborhood I was in. I used to hate not being able to Get the designer shoes or the nice things that most of the, you know, some of my peers had. And as I grew and as I started to excel in football and start to meet amazing coaches like um, Terry Boughton and John Featherstone and so many more, uh, I started to realize that I wasn't hurting. That's where I was being made. And that's when I made a decision and <laughs> made the quote that the
0: best gifts come from the bottom. Because meaning you were actually learning something from going through the hard time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's frame for people, though, what that looked like, because I would say of all the people I've met, you're in sort of the top one percent of you'd be justified in being (laughs) bitter. But you're not. So tell me about your mom and your dad. I think that's a pretty powerful place to start.
1: Absolutely. Uh, My mother. Uh, started off with uh, in a terrible situation. My grandmother moved from Monroe, Louisiana to Pontiac, Michigan. Um, first, she started running numbers. Then she started selling crack cocaine. She taught all um, seven or eight of her kids how to cook and sell crack cocaine. This is your grandma? My, gra- with my great-grandmother. my great And um, my mother started to sell it at 14 years old.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah, she was selling. She had her own, basically, trap house uh drug house that she sold dope out of. She was introduced to it very young. And some way uh, uh, she had got pregnant <laughs> by my by my father and she gave birth to me at 16 years old. Um, she had my sister at 15, had me at 16. Uh, we stayed in a one uh, a bedroom apartment um, on the north side of Pontiac, Michigan. And I just saw my mother uh, battle a lot of demons uh, had to basically be a man and the woman. And she taught me how to fight. She taught me uh, how to treat women. She taught me everything. And it was so remarkable because this is a young girl that never had a chance to be a young girl, uh, molested by her father as a child. And what caused my mother to abuse drugs from the age of 23 and up uh, was the fact that she never got help. Uh, she literally took me around my grandfather. That's the strength that she had. And this was the same man. And I didn't find out uh, about this until the day that she passed away. Oh. And my mother was a woman that she wanted to give way more, but she couldn't. And Tom, what I'm saying is, as a kid, you can walk in the house and see your mother, and she smile. But when you look in her eyes, you can see the pain. You can tell that she's smiling for me but she's hurting inside. She's fighting for me as well. So as we went on and went through that, my mother had got a job at a senior citizen home. And I remember this is when life was was getting good, Tom. I, I, I mean, my, our vacations was my mom going out getting uh, a pizza for Big Mama's house. It was a place that was called Big Mama. The pizza was humongous. And Blockbuster was still open. Uh, we, we would walk down to Blockbuster and grab a Big Mama's pizza. That was my Disneyland time. We would go home, and my mom would get her little checks, and she she would buy us food. She was able to finally able to buy us things. And I remember this. One day, um, she came home, and she was crying. And she started talking to Um, One of her friends she had, and and she said, um, this was all I had. And I seen a job that she loved. She loved taking care of people. She didn't have a degree. She couldn't read that well. But she was very good with people. And because she didn't have a degree, they fired her. They fired her, and that was the daytime that my mom was gone.
0: Because it just broke something she, inside of her emotion? She couldn't
1: take care of us. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, it's two type of people, Tom. It's, it's people that's addicted to taking, and it's people that's addicted to giving. Some people, if they can't take, they can't breathe. If they, some people can't give, they can't breathe. I get it from my mother, honest. If I can't help and give, I don't feel like I'm living. So what I, what I realized with my mother was, she was learning how to be a mother the whole time, and she was giving us everything she had every single day. My brothers and sisters would be angry sometimes because every once in a while they would take us away. I'd go to my grandmother's house or I'd go back and forth to my mom's house. And even some nights uh, when my mom w- was was getting high, I would sneak out my grandmother's house and, and sneak in drug houses just to protect her.
0: I wanna stop there for a second. so. I've heard you tell the story so many times and I'm obsessed with this idea that it doesn't matter what you look at. It matters what you see. Yes. And as you're describing your mom, she sounds awesome, <laughs> wonderful. Um, and yet she struggled profoundly with drug addiction and you're bouncing back and forth. How are you able to to look at the struggle and yet see the beauty of it all, which I think is such a powerful gift.
1: It's up to you to save your life. And I learned this at a very young age. I realized that my family was crumbling. My family tree was rotten. So I had to do everything in my power to replant another one. So even as a kid, I never was a kid, Tom. And and when I got on the football field and the coach told me, Will, If you dedicate your life to this, you will save your mother's life. I realized Tom that it's like an eagle. When they first jump out the nest, fly or die. And I had to fly Tom. That that woman, that five, seven woman pushed me, a kid that couldn't read till he was 16 to go to college. She pushed me to be special she told me well you might can't read you might not understand everything now but you're not dumb he said god gave you a special gift but you won't understand until you become a man and it came full circle time when the day of my mother's funeral my brothers and sisters was mute they couldn't speak and the first speech i ever gave was at my mother's funeral
0: what did you say
1: I told her that I understand and that I got us now. I told her that I spoke to her, not the crowd. I just told her that, you know, I'm going to miss you. And I kept her with me. And I told her that no matter what, if it's football or anything, I promise I won't sell drugs. I won't hurt people. And I'm going to inspire people. And from that day forth, um, after I gave that speech, it broke all stage fright because <laughs> it was if you can stand and speak at your mother's funeral, you can stand and talk to a group of people. But Tom, God was preparing me for my true calling right then because what happened was, I tell you that I fought for my mom my whole life, but what God did was he promoted me. He said, that same heart, I want you to take and give it to the world. I got your mama now. She's safe. She's no longer hurting. Now you use the gift that I gave you and inspire my people. And when I walked into that path, it was like the floodgates opened up. I created that speech time and they posted it on the internet. I seen it hit a million views. I couldn't believe it.
0: I don't want to gloss over anything in your story. It's really interesting yes. because you've gri- you've graced us all with the fact that you've told the story over years now on the internet. Yes. And so anyone can go and piece these moments together. Every single one of them. There's a few things I want to to bring together for our audience. One, your dad was a hitman yes. who was or still is in prison. Yes. Your mother was addicted to drugs. You're sleeping in crack houses to keep her safe. Your great grandmother Mm. taught her kids how to make drugs. So your mom obviously grew up in that sort of environment. Um, You were playing football literally to save your mom's life, but it wasn't easy and you bounced from team to team. Now when you retell it, it's hopeful, it's optimistic. But when you were in the middle of it, you had a gun, you were committed, contemplating committing suicide yes sir you had some coaches that looked after you others that were taking advantage of you um it was you you said when i finally ended up with a black coach and he was Hmm. bad to me you said i finally realized it's not about race is some people are just born evil like your story just there's so many obstacles and the reason i think it's important to hit these milestones for people to understand you in context yes, because you're you are hope man you're uh the enthusiasm that you came in with today is cap I literally the chills right now is captivating to me because there's something i think that happens to the human psyche when they realize oh wait i can do it yes, sir. when did you begin to take hold of your own narrative and say i'm going to be able to look at the hardships my mother went through and understand?
1: Um, when I moved to Los Angeles um, in 2006, I moved to Los Angeles with my cousin, Sam Rogers. Um, <clears throat> at the time he was playing for the San Diego Chargers. And it was a, it was a key moment. Um, we had went to the bank and I was telling them, we was arguing, I was telling them about how I missed my mom and I ain't got this and I ain't got that. And he pulled up to the bank, he pulled out $15,000 and he said, <laughs> me either. And I, and I seen it and he told me it wasn't the money. He was basically telling me that if you stay there, you'll always be there. You're here now, Will. Make a change. Take advantage of every opportunity to come your way. In Los Angeles, I learned, I learned that where I came from, bad is good and good is bad. What does that mean? In our mentalities, when people are nice to us, we feel endangered. When people are mean to us, we're in our habitat. We're fighters. So when I moved to Los Angeles, I saw sweet people who said good morning. I wasn't used to that. The first night I stayed in Marina Del Rey, it was a big, big, beautiful bed. I slept on the floor. Because you were more comfortable?
0: Just because you were used to it?
1: I was comfortable. I didn't want to be comfortable because my family wasn't comfortable. My mother and my brother and my sister was back home. I was in Marina Delray with an arcade and my brother and sister was back home in the projects, me and my brother like this. And in the neighborhood, I protect them. So I had to make a decision. My mom had to give my cousin permission to take me out of there. And the day I left my mom, that's the day I became a man at 16 years old. My mom told me, I don't want you to leave, but you gotta do this for our family.
0: And this is football.
1: This is football. I went to Alexander Hamilton. I was an All-American, had a great season, went on to play at El Camino Junior College. And I just continued to learn and continue to learn through trial and error with people. Tom, I am not who I am because of me. I am, I am who I am because of the people in the world. Listen to me. If I can say thank you to every human being that listened to my work, I will do it. I will send them personal voice messages personally. <laughs> 500 million, 300 million, I don't care how many people it is. But Tom, every time that you see me or anybody see William Hollis on the stage, I represent the real people. I, I wasn't a millionaire as Tar speaking. I was a homeless, 26-year-old man, 26 years old.
0: With a cracked vertebrae. With a cracked vertebrae. Who couldn't play football anymore. Couldn't play
1: football, and a teacher asked me
0: to come volunteer. Yeah, see, this is where, dude, your story is a crazy litany of problem after problem, and just when hope rears itself, hey, you're good at football, and your cousin is an NFL player and he's going to be able to help you and you get into the arena league and things are going well, you're killing it. And then you realize that your coaches actually don't want you to leave the arena league. Mm -hmm. And so they're essentially doing their best to trap you there. Then it's like, Hey, I've got this skill. I'm going to find my way out. You crack your vertebrae. And now it's, Hey, the one shot you had to get out. Only home
1: I had (laughs) only home. I had those football teams give us homes and hotels. When that's taken away, I have nothing.
0: Is this before or after you... After
1: I cracked my vertebrae.
0: And what about, when does the suicide contemplation start?
1: The suicide contemplation starts immediately after I spoke to the kids. Because I learned something, Tom. Telling a story is painful.
0: That was the first time you'd really reopened that? Yes. Whoa.
1: Telling a story is painful.
0: That's so fucking interesting. Because now you tell it and own it, and it impacts other people. See, th- there's something you've done to the way that you look at the world that that I need people to understand. For them to, like, they see you now, you're in a suit, you're crispy, like, yeah. you know, you speak in a way that really cuts to people's souls, but I need them to understand that that isn't where you started, that you're now about as far from where you began as is possible, which Absolutely. is the very thing that makes you interesting. Absolutely. So, you go speak to the kids, you actually open a wound that then sends you. Because I'm assuming you yes. say because these were troubled kids, right? They were the yes, kids they that were, weren't Redding, succeeding.
1: Redding, Redding Intermediate High School. There's just yeps the kids that wasn't succeeding.
0: All right, so mm-hmm. you tell them your story, you have them all in tears, mm-hmm. but you're now like, "Fuck, this sucks." My
1: whole chest is opened up. My whole body, I'm exposed. As I walk back to the hotel, I
0: did wasn't. you think your story made you less than? Is that, what, what were you thinking about yourself?
1: It made me realize how many people was gone. It's like the movie Life. You remember the movie at the end of Life with Eddie Murphy and um, Martin? All those men start to disappear. Mm. Imagine growing up as a kid, seeing that family. They might have been drug dealers. They might have been everything. But that was my family. And now I grow up and I'm all alone. It's nobody. And I'm this young. And it it, it, it hit me. As I walked, um, I was standing in the hotel at that time and I was walking back to the Abraham Lincoln Hotel. I was gonna commit suicide. I got a phone call a couple steps from the hotel. How much do you charge to speak? I said, $75, $100, Tom. Didn't know what to say. I ran in the hotel. She said, I want you to speak at an assembly in a week. I said, done deal. I went in in the computer room, searched, Motivational speaker. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. First speech popped up was Les Brown, Georgia, Dome.
0: It's a good speech.
1: I watched how he smiled. He had charisma, my skin complexion, so well-mannered and so beautiful. And I said, I want to be like that. He made it. I want to be like that. And I went to that school, delivered my first speech standing ovation every student in the in the gymnasium shook my hand
0: every student how far how many days from tossing the gun in the river and deciding you're not going to commit suicide are we
1: i believe it was almost like
0: month That's crazy for for a turnaround sort of of that epic proportion. It's
1: like a month, King. I was completely out of it. My mind was completely blown. But that's why I tell people, Tom, don't thank me. I thank you. You saved my life.
0: That's an interesting frame, and I don't want to take it away from you if that means something. Yes, sir. But it seems to me that you really can take a lot of ownership for... You've, you've built something new. Like I've seen so much footage of you. I've Mm -hmm. literally watched you change. So in the last 48 Mm -hmm. hours, I've totally immersed myself in your world. And so it's one of the most fascinating things about what I do Mm -hmm. is I take somebody, however long they've been on camera Mm -hmm. and I collapse it down into 48 hours. And so you watch people change and watching you change has really been quite something extraordinary. You've, You've constructed King Hollis.
1: Tom, what I do is, I tell all the people that I love, you gotta want the best out of your life for you because we only have a moment on this earth. And it's going to be people that look you in the face and tell you that they believe in you. They're gonna tell you from their lips they believe in you. But when you look them in their eyes, you're gonna know that they're not telling the truth. That's the hardest thing for a man to take because belief, belief, as my great buddy Evan Carmichael say all the time, believe, belief is what excels and, and, and pushes people through the stratosphere. And I can always tell people, I'm no bigger than you. I started in a shelter walking outside asking people, do you believe I can be one of the top motivational speakers in the world? And they laugh at me. I was crazy what I tell people is the way you get to the next level of your life is keep going keep going keep running even when you don't even know even get turns into chaos you cannot be great if you cannot operate in chaos that's my life because if you can operate in chaos the world becomes disneyland problems become scratches I can lose my car. Somebody can blow it up. I'm going to go have some sushi with my wife and think about the solution, not the problem. Many people focus on the problem and not solutions. We spend a split second, 15, 20 minutes, tearing our body down, tearing our mind down over something that we can't control. Everybody talks about their faith. But do they really got faith? Do you got that halfway faith or do you got that whole way faith? I'm talking about when you sleeping in your car, don't know where you're going to live. Are you still going to get up and work that day? Real motivation comes from the pain. It comes from the bottom. And if you go into the bottom and you stay, you never become Hollywood. You always stay engulfed in the neighborhood, Tom. You'll always be loved. I looked at all these celebrities, all these guys I would write to their DMs and see if they would write me back. They never did. broke my heart. So I told myself, when I get to this level where everybody wants to reach out to me and people want to talk to me, I'm going to answer every DM. I'm going to answer every message a man sends to me. Because I, too, was a man that they ignored. I, too, is a man that they call dumb or or poor. And when I say the best gifts come from the bottom, I speak of me first. To be an example to every kid sitting at home watching his mother nod on the couch or his father incarcerated or nobody ever tell him that they love him. I do this for them. It's a duty. It's my duty, Tom. If I die today, I can die a happy man because I live full and I die empty. I didn't work for money, Tom. Everybody that's listening to this show today is not money. It's how you serve as people. It's how you put them before you. So I tell people you can be consumed by social network, the cars, the Lamborghinis, the mansions. You can do all of that, but the feeling I get. When a person writes me and say, William, you saved my life. It's like I'm getting a million dollar check every single time. Tom, I love what I do. I woke up every day for five years and did it for free.
0: What does it take to be successful? Like when you think about what it took to be good at football, what it's taken the five years doing free events, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like what are the sort of principles of success?
1: Um, I believe success is something that you have to see before it's in your hands. It will never come to you if you don't believe it here. And one thing about me, even when I had no money, I've always been confident.
0: Did that come from football? Yes. So one thing you've said is nobody nobody has the obligation to believe in you. You have to do that for yourself. So how do people do that when they don't have, like what do you say to that kid that doesn't have football? They have all your problems and none of your gifts.
1: I will tell that kid that the moment that you start something, you'll start, paths will start to clear out. And you might not know what's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen, But I promise you, if you pick that thing that you love, I'm talking about you really love. I'm talking about that thing that you will do for free. If you pick that, if you pick that every day, if you choose that every day consistently, it's inevitable for you not to be successful. And those kids got to understand, you got to stay true to yourself. You got to have the ability to think for yourself. And know that sometimes you're going to have to be a man before you become one. But you're ready for it. And you built for it. One of my favorite scenes in the movie 300 is when the kid went up in the mountains and he had to fight. It reminded me so much of myself. It reminded me so much of inner city kids all around the world. They had to become a man before they became one. So by becoming a man before uh, you really supposed to be one, you miss out on things. You miss out on the things that kids do. You never have a shot at being a kid. Do you know some people only been an adult? Mm -hmm. That's the truth. We had to take care of our mom. When I was in college, I was sending my whole refund checks back for my mother. I'm sitting in a five-star hotel getting ready to play a football game and a night before, and my mom at home uh, calling me on the phone, knocking on, my, uh, on one of her friends' door, asking can she come in because it's cold in her house because the heat cut off. And I got to go back to sleep and play a football game the next day. Knowing my mom's starving and she cold. You'll get to the point in your lifetime where
0: you have no choice but to fight. You know, most people give up when they get to that point though, right? Most people don't fight. And this is why somebody with your experience, somebody with your voice, the thing that you bring to people is so important. One, why do you think most people give up? It is one of the deepest mysteries of my life. And then how did you avoid it?
1: I think people give up because they don't believe what they see. It's a saying that coaches say. Believe what you see. If it's there, shoot the gap. People don't believe the greatness that's in them. Because the world created this superstar elite group that's just human, just like us. But when we see them on television, we look at them as higher than us. We look at them in a place where we can ne- we think we can never get to. And the real reason is most people never get out the stands and get in the game. They stay fans their whole life. So I tell everybody, get out the stands and get in the game. Get in the game of life and leave your mark here. When I said I didn't read, it's a reason why because I believe it taints the original creativity that I'm supposed to give to the world. When I read books on Napoleon Hill, Rich Dad Poor Dad, when I read those books, I got their thoughts. People write all these successful books, all these successful manuals, but you don't understand that the most high has a different journey for you. But you're following the blueprint of another person's journey. Every human being on this earth has their own journey. And when you don't focus on yours, you will not bring the great gifts and things that you were supposed to bring to the world. Like the best gifts come from the bottom. Like only in the womb of a woman can a man breathe underwater. Like God leaves your gift at the bottom of the stairs and it's up to you to climb up those stairs and get your gift. See, those quotes came from me. No tainted mentality. My thought is for me. And, 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 and when I get on that stage, Tom, I say words, and, and I say uh, words that I never could pronounce. <laughs> so I know I'm connected to something. I'm, I didn't choose motivational speaking. It chose me, and it saved my life.
0: Talk to me about that. So I heard you give a speech to a bunch of football players yes. that were about to go out and play, and you kept saying, hit them in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually really respond with, um, when you think about success, it's so hard. There are so many things that are fighting against you. That mm-hmm. You really do have to learn to channel aggression and to be persistent yes. and very resilient. So how do you think about aggression and, you know, what's sort of the business version of hitting them in the mouth? A
1: business version of hitting them in the mouth is beating them, getting them. Being the first one there, dominating, seizing every opportunity that comes your way. You see, Tom, when I went to Italy, I've never performed on a stage in my life. But when I got up there, I said, there's no way I came this far to only come this far. But the key thing was I seized my opportunity. You see, the reason why some people give up in life, because they may have had an opportunity, but they failed. Mm And they think that that opportunity will never come back. But the same formula that got you your first opportunity will get you your second. But this time you will execute. This time you'll be mentally ready. This time you'll remember how you failed. And every time that I step out and I get up in the morning and scream to the sun, rise, so I can go chase my dream. Every day I wake up, I'm thankful because I know that nobody could have saved my life but me. And by getting up every single day, dropping more content than the biggest speakers in the world, pushing out albums, creating new things, just constantly evolving. Mm. It's a passion here. Like the great Tony Robbins say, it's a passion here that burns so deep inside of me that when I found motivational speaking, it saved my life, Tom. So as a man that finds his gift and you gotta find your gift, cause once you find your gift and you get a taste of it, you be like, oh, this is it. And every day you get excited to wake up to, to grow it more and more. Six years straight, Tom, 4.30 in the morning.
0: So what is it you think that people need to do to sort of manicure their mind that allows them to see the gifts, which to me seems like the thing you may be most gifted at is the ability to see through the difficulties to the beautiful core.
1: I tell people, a lot of people don't know what it is they're supposed to do. I tell people, everybody I talk to, I say, what did you, what was the first thing you ever did that made you feel fulfilled? Some might say dancing. Some might say, oh, a play I did. Your career is made as a child. Your destiny is made when you're a child. Everything is is, is built from that that infant stage. And some people, uh, one girl said, uh, I used to love to sing when I was a little girl. And I said, the reason why you're not happy is because you stopped doing it. If you pick it back up, that pain will start to shed off you and you'll get to your breakthrough. The reason why people are depressed and down is because they're not doing what they love, they're not doing what they love, they doing what they have to. Mm -hmm. That's what the workforce and work world do. It steals dreams. It steals them. And the world has become so discombobulated with finances and money that People have to compromise their dreams just to survive. So when people are here in this world right now today, that's making dreams happen, they are extraordinary. Because one, they made a decision that I'm not doing nothing else but this, even if I don't get paid for it. People sat back and wait time and throw their dreams in the trash And go do another man's dream. And expect to feel fulfilled when they come home at night. Mm -hmm. But when you wake up and you live your truth. And you work for your gift. Even the days you're not paid. You're not going to feel like you wasted your time. Because you're doing something that you love. And if I I was to die today. I want to die doing something I love. That's speaking. Somebody out there has put a gift down, and it's time to pick it back up. That thing that made you happy, made you smile, pick it back up. I promise you, all the pieces will come back together. I tell you, it's a quote I say, get back to the child that laid on your mother's lap. There was the child that dreamed, believed in the world. Sometimes the world can take you away from who you truly are. No question. Life will beat you up and you'll just forget who you are. But get back to that child to lay on your mother's lap and you'll remember who you are.
0: If you had one chance to talk to a kid that they're, they're in that place that you were, it all seems hopeless, they don't know what they're meant to do, what would you convey to them about taking control of their life?
1: I would tell them first and foremost, young man, think for yourself. Think for yourself, question everything, and believe in yourself. When you're falling, don't pretend like you're not. When you're hurting, don't pretend like you're not. Find people that uplift you, not tear you down. Understand that even your parents can be jealous of you and envious of you. It's a crazy world. But you got to understand this. We got one life. This is your life. One life. You came out this world, I honestly, came out into this world by yourself. You will go back into the dirt by yourself. So why not work to be the greatest version of yourself for yourself?
0: Man, you really are a phenomenal example of greatness. Where can people follow along on this insane journey of yours?
1: Uh, you can follow me at William King Hollis uh, on Instagram, and YouTube. Also William King Hollis on Facebook on my fan page. Um, I drop daily messages every day, just like I did in the <laughs> beginning. Um, and um, anybody that reaches out to me, if you do reach out to me, please DM me. Um, please message me because I don't just like people listening to me. I really like to get to know the world. I believe like a lot of people leave a lot of stuff off the table because they don't work with people. You got to work with the people. If you want to save a neighborhood, you got to get with people in the neighborhood. I created something called Royal Nation. Royal Nation is something that where a whole bunch of artistic, amazing individuals, um, uh, artists uh, get together and we put our gifts together to make each other projects a finished product. So basically if you don't know how to do the digital, the digital ad or or, or a flyer, this guy does. If you don't, it's a family. It's Royal nation. Don't matter what race, color, or creed, it's Royal nation. It's a family of people dedicated to inspiring the world through art. In this book, I gave it to, in the first day of Royal nation, I had 386 members all over the world, and I couldn't believe it, Tom. Huh? It changed my life. Speaking changed my life. Telling my story changed my life. So if you wanna know how I did it, and how I'ma continue to do it, I'ma to continue to speak my truth, and I'ma to continue to, fo- to focus on the best gifts that come from the bottom. It's amazing, man. Yes, sir.
0: Guys, woo! This, he really is one of the greatest speakers of his generation. Listen to his motivational speeches. They are extraordinarily powerful. They will reach inside your soul, give you the chills. It's really pretty crazy. He is very good at translating his story, his hardships into wisdom that can be understood by everybody and felt by anybody. Uh, You definitely don't want to miss it. And speaking of things you don't want to miss, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.